Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. Today we are covering Boulez. Boulez. <laughs> Sorry. It looks like bullet. That's what I was gonna say. That's how. That's my my lead in. Oh, okay. It's, are you sure it's not bullets? I'm a hundred percent sure. Well, we'll get into the etymology of the boulet. It's shaped like bullet. It is. It is very much shaped like bullets, and uh, that's kind of on purpose. We'll yeah. get it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, how are you doing, Brian? I'm good, Will. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing I'm doing pretty okay. Excellent. Um, I'm feeling good. I've switched to contacts. For those of you on YouTube, you can you can tell I do not have my glasses on. Yeah, I rotate uh, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, I have glasses. It's true, you do. Um, and today I wanted to get back to some Dungeon Cast basics. Um, it's Year of the Artifact, and we've done our due diligence in both finishing off the Year of the Fiend and covering some extra items and artifact topics of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also been working hard getting the Patreon-voted episodes in every month, and I mm-hmm. thought, it's time to do an episode for me. <laughs> Neat. A classic, stock-standard episode, not tied to a yearly theme, debt, or obligation. And what better topic to do than with an absolutely classic D&D monster? Yeah, we haven't done a monster in a long time, right? No. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, it has been the last time that we did a monster that was not a fiend tied to Year of the Fiend mm-hmm. was the Dragon Turtle last September. Oh, wow. Yes. We got our cool Dragon Turtle it's, mini Yeah, we did. Thank we you. did. And it was a good episode. That was a good episode. Yes. our yes. monster episodes are good episodes, I Brian. like the monster episode. Me too. And uh, this is actually one of the only monsters that I've used before we covered it. That's interesting. I've never actually used a boule. I've just, I just, it's just never happened. You know, we only run so many games in our lives. It's just not. Yes, for yeah, me. it only comes up every once in a while. Well, before we get into it, is there anything you want to share about your boule experience? Um, I used it in like a cylindrical room with like a sand pit in the middle, mm-hmm. 
and people were like sliding down into the middle like uh, oh shit what's that star wars monster oh the the, the sarlacc. sarlacc yeah, yeah sarlacc. that's uh kind of sarlacc pitted it a little yeah, bit yeah that's pretty cool i like that though it was that's like good. swimming around in there that's terrifying yeah, i love it i love it how they how do they get out of that situation um they climbed some scaffolding okay and abandoned it and it oh. killed one guy Oh, so you lost the player? <laughs> yeah, damn! <laughs> it ate somebody. Was that was that a one shot or was that an ongoing campaign? It would have ate somebody, but I was like, this guy is brand new to this game. Oh, and I'm not trying gosh. to like kill him. He didn't know. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a barbarian. So he like, did. So he didn't die. No, he didn't well, actually he kill should him? have died. I, I mercy <laughs> you. Mer- I mercy him. Yeah, him. I let him live. He, he, his barbarian character raged and like ran after it. I wonder if special guest Jake feels like I should have mercy spared his Icarus? his first character. Yeah. No, that was not that... a mercy spare situation. My guy, they weren't really supposed to fight this thing. Yeah, I was true. like, don't go. It was basically like a monster. I was like, don't go through this other area until you go to the first area. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, then you could go through the second area or mm. the sort of sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't meant to. I didn't really use it. Use it. It wasn't meant to fight. It was meant to be like a, a set piece. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like a key code on a, a locked door or something right, like that. Right. You know, but bigger. Well, <laughs> let's let's get into the boule. Okay. So, the boule, widely known as the land shark, is a bizarre monstrosity. Its head is bullet shaped, similar to that of a shark, with a massive mouth filled with either razor sharp teeth or more of a serrated beak. Um, depending on the art that you're looking at. Yeah. You know, everyone's got their interpretation. Its body is covered in thick layered plates and it's held up by stumpy but powerful legs ending in long, terrible claws. Around its head and tail, its armor tends to be blue-brown in color, while in between the hue might range from gray-blue to blue-green. The concave areas around its eyes are usually darker, with the eyes themselves being a yellow color with blue-green pupils. Ooh, cool. Mm -hmm. It's been hypothesized... The boules are some kind of bizarre cross between an armadillo and a snapping turtle. Though right. there is little evidence supporting this theory. <laughs> uh, to me, uh, the boule more resembles a blend of shark and dinosaur. I, that's it looks more like that. To I've me. seen like uh, you know fan art of the boule mm-hmm. with a great white shark's face instead of the boule face. Okay, it looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's, it, that it's cool. pointier and sharper. It's like so, a blend between. So the, the two. face of a, a great white shark and what was the body again? Pretty much the same as the boules. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just I mean, had, like the great white shark top and then like that weird under underbite thing it's got yeah, going on. Yeah. No, I think I think that works. Yeah. And they look very shark like. Um and I feel like the armadillo thing is more in the fact that the boule is a burrower, which we're gonna get yeah. into more than anything else, because I really don't see the armadillo resemblance in it when I look at it. I guess the body shape, if it's like fully out, yeah, a little I guess bit. Kinda, it looks like the ones I've seen. The body looks straight up like Ankylosaurus dinosaur body with a shark head. Yeah, I mean that's uh, armadillo like or, yeah. or what's it called? A I guess pang- armadillos are somewhat a dinosaur, pangolin. Like, pangolin. Is that pangolin? What I'm thinking of? Pang- I love those things. I, I don't know how to say their name, uh, pronounce their name correctly, but I love them. Yeah, um, it's like pang- pang- pangolin, right? Something like that. Yeah. I'm not Anyways. seeing a pronunciation. I googled it real quick. I'm not seeing the pronunciation <laughs> like right up top. Let me go to Wikipedia. So the the origins of the boule are unknown. But as with many monstrosities in this game, mad wizards continue to be the most popular scapegoat. Yes. Um, some sages. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, like, oh, you just. It's always a mad wizard. Uh, <laughs> some sages believe the boule is the result of a mad wizard's experiment at crossbreeding snapping turtles and armadillos okay. with infusions of demon ichor. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> Demon Icker, that'll do it. You borrowed some from Baphomet. 
You know it. You, it's <laughs> Bafame. He's the reason. He's it's him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, honestly, he should be like he should be the scapegoat more than the Mad Wizards, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's I know kind of what he does. Yeah, we say Bafame. Oh yeah, here. we. Oh, God, now I'm numb to it. <laughs> I'm numb to it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't actually matter. Baphomet. I love Baphomet. <laughs> Bro Science Baphomet. Moving yeah, on. That's a good episode if that's you guys want to good, go. That's good. That might be our my favorite episode we yeah. ever did. For those of you that don't know, Baphomet or Baphomet is always making like random creatures. He's like splicing stuff together, birthing yeah. shit. He has a literal, literal tower of science where he creates monstrosities. Yeah, delicious monstrosities. Indeed. Like the boule. Uh, boules have been thought to be extinct at different times, but after years without a sighting, the creatures inevitably reappear. Because they're young or almost never seen, some sages suspect the boules maintain secret nesting grounds from which adults strike out into the world. Now that is lore, what I just read right now, directly from the 5e Monster Manual. Okay. But there is lore from another book, which very much goes over how these things procreate and how young boules grow. Nice. So conflicting lore. Again, pick your poison. Yeah. That's how this game rolls. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Make it up. <laughs> um, I love this game. In game turns, the boule was created by Tim Cask, an early TSR employee for whom the Sword of Cass is actually named after. Okay. Um, expect a Sword of Cass episode later this year. Mm. Unlike many of D&D's iconic creatures, such as the Displacer Beast, Owlbear, and the Beholder, Wizards of the Coast does not actually own the copyright of the boule. Uh, which is instead claimed by Cask himself. Okay, nice. Get fucked, wizards. <laughs> Good for you, Cask. Fucking idiots. Oh, sorry. Well, Not I all mean, of you. to be fair, like it was he invented the boule back in the TSR days. No, yeah, so. I know, I know. Jesus, man. I'm just still really mad at them. I, mean, and I know suck. people are like, yeah. stop being so mad at them. Get over it. And I'm like, I'm not over it. I'm not going to get over it. And also, they summoned the Pinkertons on that Magic the Gathering they YouTuber. They did. The fucking Pinkertons. And yeah. people are like, who are the Pinkertons? I'm like, Pretty sure that got covered in my high school yes, education. Yes, it's, it's, it's pretty stock standard uh, to get yeah. that in high school. The union busting PIs, those yeah. are great. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. They made his mom cry or something. Fucking awesome. Wizards of the Coast. Great move. <laughs> Excellent timing. Yeah, let me clarify. I love Dungeons and Dragons, but yeah, Wizards of the Coast is yes, a shit company. Same. Moving on. We do a whole show about Dungeons and Dragons. We do. It's like we're passionate about it. It's like we're passionate about this hobby. (laughs) The boule was inspired by a cheap plastic toy that Gary Gygax acquired in a bag of toy creatures. Other iconic early D&D creatures which share the same origin include the Rust Monster and the Owl Bear. Now, I don't know how uh, accurate this is, but supposedly these toys were based on uh, kaiju from Japanese television. Awesome. With the Boulet's inspiration in particular based on the monster Gabora from Ultraman Episode 9. Hell yeah. Google and Gabora. Sh- yeah, you know what? I should have looked it up, but yeah, I definitely am interested. Uh, Gary Gygax originally nicknamed this monster the Bullet, uh, which Cask mockingly pronounced in a French accent as the Boulet. <laughs> that sounds like some shit I would do. That's some shit that would happen on this show. These look like the Demigorgons from um, from Stranger Things, but like bigger. Oh, wow. that That's... See, that looks more armadillo. <laughs> yeah. It looks way more armadillo it's than kinda, what we got. Yeah. Um, I can kind I can see the resemblance, but honestly, what, what ended up coming out was transformative enough to be like pretty original, if you ask to- me. Totally, I agree. I yeah. agree. Um where was I? Uh Boulez fir- made their first appearance in the very first edition of Dragon Magazine. Uh, the magazine's first creature feature gave an illustration of the fearsome monster, a small set of rules for running one, and a few paragraphs worth of description about them. It also clarified that, at least originally, the intended pre- pronunciation was boulet and not boulette. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I love Dragon Magazine. Yeah. I, I kind of want to uh, change this show to be 
all Dragon Magazine. I mean, Dragon Magazine stuff is great. And there's like, I think before they switched over to the, I think it's just Dragon Plus now. Oh, or whatever okay. it's called these days. Which what, is still, still pretty runs? cool. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I feel like Dragon Plus uh, Magazine is more of a spiritual successor. It's like a sequel. It's cool and it's good. And not that I've read every article. I've only read like five or six. Uh, of the of the magazines of the releases, but the original like four hundred ninety four magazines, like it's just a wild ride from the old ones all the way to the new ones. Yeah. And they're full of crazy stuff. I love uh, when we were researching Demon Lords a lot, and it would come up like, yeah, all the time because there's yeah, so much niche information yes, in there. Absolutely, like, and I feel like of Demon they Lords. give the writers a lot more leeway in those magazines compared to like actual like published hard book sources yeah you know you um, don't have like reddit to just go fucking find a D idea real quick right or like podcasts mm-hmm. like yeah there was dragon magazine yeah that came out in between books so you had new ideas from like an outside yeah source, right? i think i think like 1980s version of me would definitely be a subscriber like i would want every single one of those oh I yeah and they're, they're super fun they're they're really funny. funny writing and like yeah. intricate and like, you get really cool like art from from artists that you just normally would never see too yeah uh-huh yeah. wasn't there the flail snail stuff a lot of it was in dragon magazine yeah i think so i think so fun. it's Love been a while since snails. we did that episode but i believe i i opened up oh yeah because we learned how they fuck so yes yeah course. yeah That's, one of my favorites. if you want to know how a monster fucks you got to get dragon, it's magazine. dragon magazine it's always <laughs> dragon magazine. <laughs> it really is <laughs> anyways moving on uh, speaking of which, we are going to learn how these things fuck. Uh, the boule is a fearsome monstrosity, a massive predator that terrorizes any land it inhabits. Uh, the land shark lives only to feed. Irascible and rapacious, boules fear no other creature, and they attack with no regard for superior numbers or strength. Feared and hated by most living beings, they are extremely dangerous, burrowing unseen beneath the soil before, before erupting at an unexpected moment to seize their prey. So we got another trash monster on our hands. They're indiscriminately eating and yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What's the other one? The... Um, there's the Otiug. Um, That's the one I was thinking of with the weird eyes. Yeah, a carrion crawlers are carrion another crawlers. one too. Yeah. But they're they're both those ones are a little bit more on the they will eat anything. Oh yeah, they're yeah. eating trash for sure. <laughs> Deep underground, uh boules listen for potential prey that they might erupt from the ground to consume their, their living targets. They use their powerful claws to tunnel through the earth. Um when they are heed they are heedless of obstruction, uprooting trees, causing landslides on loose slopes and leaving sinkholes behind them. So these things are like an ecological disaster. Yeah, like Onyx should be in the Pokemon world, or like how Snorlax is in that one episode. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where was I? When vibrations in the soil and rock alert a boule to movement, it shoots to the surface, its jaws, sp- jaws spread wide, wide as it attacks. Yeah, I would think like you could have a whole area just decimated by a boule just sort of living there. Like running around, yeah, like absolutely. This town that used to live here, yes, is not here anymore. Exactly. And instead of a ghost town, it's just like a sunken earth town. You know? Right. It, yes. Like exactly. A sinkhole. That's that's a good set piece for sure, and that's that's exactly what would kind of play out. In most cases, a boule will swallow its prey whole with its massive jaws. This includes consuming the victim's clothes, wep- clothing, weapons, and other equipment, which the boule can in fact digest successfully through the use of their unnaturally powerful stomach acid. Uh, Boulets tend to range across temperate lands, feeding on any animals or humanoids it comes across. For some reason, they particularly dislike dwarf and elf flesh, although they often kill and eat them anyways before they realize what they are because, you know, they just come up, snap their jaws, and swallow. Yeah, they're like, aw, yeah, dwarf. Oh, that was gross. Mm. (laughs) Okay. But do you know what a boule's favorite fare is? Wait, hang on. How do they know? How does anybody know that? 
It's a great question, Brian. That's a fantastic. <laughs> re- they they someone just start vomiting once he ate L. Yeah. I think so dumb. I think the way it would come up is like, okay, you have a you have a band of dwarves, right? Delivering from their dwarven kingdom. The boule attacks, it eats a dwarf, and then and then it backs off because it's like, oh gross and moves. Yeah, let me go eat these like humans over here. Yeah, but then yeah, it does the same for humans and eats them all. Yeah, so it'll that, eat that the would... dwarf just last. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, well, it would eat a dwarf, and that dwarf's dead. But the rest of them are safe because, you know, it got a bad taste. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's kind of well, it's kind of like what they say about sharks, where sharks uh, don't tend to like human flesh. So a lot of times people get bit, and then it just goes away because you taste gross. Oh, yeah, because we don't eat, like, corn all day. We eat, like, Taco Bell. <laughs> corn tortillas. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. There's corn, corn, corn shell tacos. I just I hate mean, like, Bell. we're not, like, uh, you know, fed for eating. Well, I think it's more along the line. I mean, you're not wrong. But I think it's more along the lines of like it eats fish. We don't taste like fish. No, yeah, I get that too. Yeah, I get okay. that too. <laughs> um, but Boulet's uh, favorite thing to eat is halfling meat. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's fucked up. Boulets are never happier than when chasing plump halflings across an open field. <laughs> <laughs> is there like stone they can't burrow through? Like, why aren't these things decimating? I, I think so. Uh, they they burrow through their soil and ground, right? Yeah, so, so they're, like, boxed in somewhere. To a certain probably, degree, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are limited. It, I was wondering about that. It's like tremors when yeah. they have to get up on the rocks. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. I was thinking about tremors, and then I was thinking also about the Molduga from Breath of the Wild, which is a big sand creature oh, that yeah. does exactly what this yeah. creature does. Yes, 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 yes. And they, it's it's just, tre- go watch Tremors, the movie Tremors. It's a from good movie the that 1980s? comes up. It is. Uh, yeah, I want to say late 80s. It definitely branched into the 90s. I'm definitely saying 88 or 91. Okay, because if it's from the 1990s, we have to do the bit. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, this this movie has come up on this show at least four times. Well, because we keep running into, oh, <laughs> the movie Tremors from the 1990s. Movie Tremors from it the came 1990s. came out in 1990. Everything good came out in the 90s. Moving on. <laughs> uh, unlike many other monstrosities, their size, Boulets have no layers. Uh, instead, they roam a carved-out hunting territory, usually up to 30 miles wide. Its sole criterion for territory is the availability of food, mm-hmm. and when it has eaten everything in the area, the boulet moves on. Uh, these creatures often uh, home, hone in on humanoid settlements, terrorizing them until their panicked residents have fled or until the boulet is slain. Okay. Uh, boulets do not particularly like each other any more than others like them. Uh, they come together only to mate, resulting in a bloody act of claws and teeth that usually ends with the male's death and consumption. Neat. That's always fun. <laughs> The male boule's end of the mating ritual is fairly complicated, involving the killing of deer and boars, which are then placed in a wide circle. The male then digs a shallow pit in the middle of the circle and lines it with the bones of the animals he has killed. Over the course of roughly a week, the boule slowly grinds the bones in the pit into a fine powder. He then digs underneath the pit and waits for a female. It's like you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey to me. I am. <laughs> Within about a month, a female boule usually is attracted to the site by the odor, at which point the boules will usually do the do the deed. They do a sex? They do a sex. They perform a coitus? They do. It takes only a day and a half for the female to lay around a dozen eggs, uh, covered in spines, and by the next morning they hatch. Whoa. This is an alarmingly fast turnover rate from meat to live baby. Yeah. Uh, now, I am unsure what this means, but it is said that Elmin- in Elminster's eco- Elminster's ecologies that during hatching, the female boule will make a noise like an elephant. 
What does this mean? Does the boule make a trumpeting noise? Does she make a similar noise that an elephant makes when it's calling its children? Elephants don't lay eggs, so they don't have an egg-catching sound. This statement both confuses and frightens me. Don't elephants let out a really low, uh, low frequency resonating sound that's similar to like uh, the sound uh, humans can't hear it? It's okay. like too low frequency. So, but how and when do they make this noise? Like, what? Why do they make this noise? I believe it's a call, and there's also something about tsunamis that trigger. <laughs> What? There's a low frequency sound tsunamis make when they're gearing oh. up to make landfall, okay. and the elephants can hear it, and they move away from coastal areas. Oh, okay. Where so tangentially related because they can hear this frequency. Yeah, like is okay. it something we can't hear? Is what I'm gonna maybe. Like, I mean, it could here. be. It literally it makes a noise like an elephant. That's all I got. <laughs> it could be anything. I bet it's the. I bet they're thinking of the classic. Like, maybe. Whoa! Maybe like that sort of noise. I like that. I was a lot better at it because my kid was like, "Be an elephant, dad," and I would do the elephant noise. I got pretty good at it, but yeah. it's been like a year. Oh man, you had to practice. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry everyone. So regardless of the noise their mother is or isn't making when they hatch, <laughs> once they do in fact hatch, the newborn boules immediately attack their mother and attempt to kill her. Yo, <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> mother boules almost always fight back, and although she will usually manage to kill most of the young, she will succumb to the attacks more often than not. The survivors, usually no more than two or three, will then devour the slain siblings and mother. Okay, that I'm glad I waited to say this because I was like, there's going to be too many boules like this. Yes. Now there's not. Now there's Because they have to box immediately. Because they have to immediately murder each other. What up, Ma? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, fuck. God, D&D's great. Uh, For the (laughs) remaining 48 hours, immediately after the hatching of the eggs, the powder in the mating pit will be saturated with fluid from the eggs, making it surprisingly effective fertilizer. Oh, cool. Good. Just to know. Like that episode of Pokemon with Snorlax. Where he's, like, eating everything, but he's leaving whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is he shitting? Like, why are the plants just magically growing behind Mm -hmm. everything he's doing? Yeah, I I wonder. Good job on catching catching that one, Ash. So, fun fact time. Ooh. Uh, Dubois' love of of halfling meat was supposedly a design choice um, to counter the popularity of the, at the time, it would have been the Hobbit race. (laughs) So oh, what the they fuck? they were like, you know, this That's Hobbit race mean. is like, yeah, I know, it's it's kind of funny. Though. Fuck all you guys for picking hobbits. You know what? Why don't we make a monster that specifically eats hobbits? <laughs> That'll stop these fuckers from playing it. Every new DM is gonna want to play the boulet to stop you from all picking hobbits. You know, I I would love to hear from somebody who is either aware of 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 this hobbit slash halfling popularity or or went through it because like they must have. Like, what was the information they were getting? Yeah, I were, want a graph. Were they getting people writing in being like, this is the worst race. They have this exploit. Like, I, everyone's trying to be a hobbit. It's ruining my yeah, game. Yeah, how do I stop like, my party of Frodo's and Samwise Gamgee's <laughs> and Poppins and Mary's? Yeah, like. Ooh. I literally have four hobbits in my party, and they are the Lord of the Rings people. <laughs> I need like, to kill them. What do I do? And yeah. D&D was like, guess we got to make boules. <laughs> Guess we gotta make him hobbit hungry. I mean, remember this came out in the first Dragon magazine, which I I didn't catch the year. So we're talking super early okay, in the Dragon. game itself. Game came out, I believe in seventy four. So yeah. we're talking somewhere between seventy four and seventy six. I'm guessing that quick, huh? They and so that quick, magazine. we're already eroding uh, hobbits out because they're too popular. Uh, and they're broken. June is all it says here on the cover of the Dragon. Ma- wow, that is a dragon. It cost a dollar fifty. 
Um, the opening available July 1st, I guess. So not June or I guess June um, of what year, though, it does not say because um, I, I pulled up a PDF. There was a PDF of it like immediately available. Uh, and I thought a publishing date would be on. The, you would think so. The magazine. But. Um, <coughs> All right. Fun fact number two. Okay. You go. I'll keep looking. While Boulets primarily use their amazing tremor sense to detect their prey. 1976. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so while Boulets primarily use their amazing tremor sense to detect their prey and traverse their environments, they also have impeccable dark vision like everything else in 5e DNA. Yeah, sure. Well, fuck it. <laughs> fuck off. Uh, for those of you who are new here, uh, uh, 5e, for some reason, everything has dark vision. Yes, and uh, I've lamented it yeah, for many no, episodes. It's, it's it's kind of alarming. It's like why I, I so I'm uh, I'm in a four E campaign right now, and um, almost no of the playable playable races have dark vision. Like the only I can only think of one off the no two deep gnomes and and drow. And what is this? What did you say? It's fourth edition. Oh, game. okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, those are the only two playable races with dark vision. Um, everyone else either has normal vision or low light vision. Right. It's just such a stark difference because because you know obviously I I've DM'd a lot of five E and um, we talk mostly about five E, um, but playing in four E and kind of getting reminded of those mechanics and stuff, the stark differences is is rather jarring. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and it's confusing <laughs> for newer players to even understand exactly what dark vision is supposed to be, which is not night vision. It's no, different from that. It is different from that. Like that's not clear without like going specifically to look yeah. up dark vision. Right? Yeah, it's supposed which to you should be, do. Which you should do. Yeah. Um, last fun fact: dwarves call the boule the Goldborn. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> what what sort of relevance does that bear? I mean, I they just have it. a nickname for they it. Just have a name for it. I wonder what it means. I'm gonna Google Gold Goldbron. Hey guys, Pathfinder Second Edition exists. Yeah, hey, <laughs> and, and they there's got not some a lore. copyright on the Boulet, so <laughs> yeah. get fucked, wizards. Yes, uh, so we got some Pathfinder versions, and so I have some interesting things that they do a little bit differently, but it's it's very similar um, as as you know one would probably expect. Mm-hmm. So, of all the beasts that populate the wilderness, few are as feared as the Boulet. Known sometimes as land sharks, boulets are sleek predators who move as fluidly through earth as those primeval eating machines move through water. Okay. Boulets possess insatiable hunger and view anything that moves as food. They hunt constantly, and when their attention turns to new hunting grounds, they feed until nothing remains. They are the stuff of nightmares, the bane of the wilderness, a brutal, savage monster whose ferocious majesty is not evolved, but in, or was not evolved but was intentionally crafted. Oh. The first boulets were designed as guardians for a wizard whose identity is lost to time, but is theorized to have been an elf because boulets dislike the taste of their flesh. Okay. Many wizards have staked a claim in inventing the beasts, but the means of creating them and their purpose are unknown. They claim territories up to 500 square miles, which is a little bit bigger than what D&D ones do, and prey freely on anything within it during its patrols. To such a point that entire settlements might be destroyed to sate their hunger. They are solitary creatures who avoid other boulets unless seeking a mate, with which they bond for life and raise the offspring they produce only until they have taught it to hunt, at which point they drive their kid away. So very, very different mating and raising ritual. Yeah. These ones don't eat their moms. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Okay. So. Not as entertaining. Not as entertaining. And didn't for you sure. say it was 30 miles in D&D? Yeah. So 530 is a stark difference. Well, no, 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 no. So 500 square versus a 30, 30 mile radius, right? Oh, so, I see. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to think here. Or thir- no, it's a 30 mile diameter. So 
I may, I might be wrong. It might actually be smaller because is that a six hundred? That's a six hundred mile radius actually. So no, the D and D ones have a bigger radius. Okay. So that's so six hundred square miles. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the hold God, of that's huge. Yeah, it's very big. The hold of Belksen, fortress of the orc hordes, is home to the Juggerloath, a monstrous boule sired by Yeth. Yethesmari, the herald of the demon goddess Lamashtu, who appears as a terrible combination of a jackal and snake with wings. Okay. At some point, this herald procreated with a normal, if freakishly large, boule. The offspring, the Juggerloath, is a creature resembling a towering red-skinned boule with a cobra's body for a tail. That's scary. Yes, it's terrifying. The Juggerloath. <laughs> Boulets are often tamed by kobolds to aid in tunneling and mining, as well as to serve as powerful attack creatures and raids on enemy settlements. These boulets are primarily controlled through magic, although some are raised from the egg and trained to serve kobold tribes. So they're a little bit more, like, um, domesticatable, it seems like, in this in yeah. Pathfinder. Well, also, kobolds are much cooler in almost every other setting than D&D is, in my experience. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know kobolds are, are famously really, really entertaining and cool in Pathfinder. Yeah, so. like, they're, they're supposedly they're a lot more clever, and um, I know they're, like, clever in D&D with all their traps and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think they expanded on kobold lore and, like, monster blocks, um, but I could be getting it confused with the uh, supplemental... Um, What's that one we like that Freeland got for us? Um, Friend of the show, Josh Freeland from Super Quest Saga. Check out our actual play. Yeah. Um, no. What, what did Tome he? Tome of Beasts. Oh, the Tome of Beasts. Oh, your your Volo's Guide. No, no, it was a third party. I think it was Tome of Beasts. Oh, Tome of Beasts. Yeah, yeah. Cobalt Press. Cobalt Press. Cobalt yeah. Press. Yeah, yeah, they um they had like flying kobolds and stuff in that. They one. do. They do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which I is think, cool. Uh, other kobolds, they they are uh like tinkerers. More that so and like can they do magic they, obviously. That's well, weird. they touch on both draconic sorcerer kobolds and tinkerers in well in Volo's guide. But you're right, it's not as prominent. Mm. It's, but they make it more prominent. Yeah, I think for sure. I think other TTRPGs treat kobolds more like people than monsters, so they have more autonomy yeah. in yeah. terms of stuff stuff like that. I can see that. Okay, well, anything you want to add about the boule before we take a short rest? Um, I, I want to, I found something interesting in my Google searching and I was like, okay, I'll save it for okay. short rest. So okay. This short rest is actually brought to you by, by Vixen Van Halen, who did an amazing cover of the shout out to Demogorgon song. Yeah. And the, and the, the thing we play at every short rest, we're going to yes. play theirs with their, their permission. Version, yeah. With their and, permission. Yeah. Check out their, their handle in the description. Check them out on Twitter. They're incredibly talented. I really love this cover. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. We've returned. Indeed we have. We're fucking back. Indeed we are. We fucking know we are. I hope you loved that awesome cover by Vixen Van Halen. Again, check out the uh, handle in the description, and you can check out their stuff. Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. Yes. Um, real cool stuff. Okay, so uh, we have some stat blocks here. We have the Boulet, which is in the Monster Manual, and mm-hmm. I'm sure got moved to the new Monster mm-hmm. Manual. I guess I should um, pull this up, too. Go ahead. I'm listening. And then uh, Monsters of the Multiverse, that one. And, okay. Uh, but in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which I currently happening happen to be running mm, uh, yeah. in a home game, uh, and I just started, there is an undead boule. So, so this, there's going to be some okay. Mad Mage spoilers for anybody that is going to run them out. I'm going to hit them right now so we don't, they don't come up before the stat block. You're going to hit the spoilers first? Yeah. Okay, go for it. I think it. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's like sort of lore. Uh, it says uh, there's something called uh, Golbron's Grave. Remember that word from earlier? Okay, yeah. Um, that's a dwarvish word for boule. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. One of the King Millar's great battles was fought against a uh, such a creature. After defeating the boule, the king had its body animated to serve as an undead guardian. No shit. So somewhere in, I won't say even say where in Mad Mage, but somewhere in Mad Mage, there is an undead boule floating around in like a tomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's a little bit different, obviously, because it's undead, and I have the stat block for that. So we'll cover the boulet first, and then we'll cover the undead one. Yeah, after. they are very similar, but yeah, it sounds if, good. Sounds if good. there are some other variations uh, that are static to 5e and not like homebrew, uh, let us know, <laughs> and um, we'd like to see those. Because I, I, quick search, I only found this um, mm. very, but I saw some 
in my Googling, I saw some other variants that were uh, not canon. I don't okay. Think. okay. Um, but the belay is a large monstrosity. It's unaligned. Its armor class is 17 natty. It's got 94 HP or 9010 plus 45. Its speed is 40 foot land and 40 foot burrowing, which is fairly fast. Yeah, I find that interesting because I don't know why. I just thought like it's a primarily a burrower, right? A burrower. Yeah, not a borrower. That's a that's a movie. Um, you would think that like almost like a fish out of water on land, it would be slow. But no, this thing's just as fast. It can run as fast as it can burrow. I would say that it should move forty and burrow sixty. It would make more sense to me. Like its muscles yeah. and arms and joints are made to dig rather than walk yeah. on land. But you would it's think there would be right? a disparity, but still, just just or forty large, feet speed walking is very impressive for. Something primarily doesn't walk. Yeah, um, I think it has to do with its size, but I guess its legs just move the way that its legs move, and whether it's above or below ground, right. it's just going to do what it does. I definitely think a boule cannot swim. I think it, it doesn't have a swim speed, obviously, but no, like no, I also no. just think it would sink and drown. It do land swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does it hold its breath? That makes sense. It would have to, right? I don't know. I would think it holds its breath. Uh, maybe we'll find out. Uh, so it has a strength of plus four, dex plus zero, con of plus five, intelligence minus four. Stupid. Uh, it's too smarter than a rock. It's a plus zero wisdom and a minus three charisma. So no wonder it's easy to like. No one likes it. it. No one likes them. No. Uh, skills perception plus six. Uh, senses it's got dark vision, sixty feet, and tremor sense of sixty feet as well. Uh, with a passive perception of sixteen. Which is it's good. I feel like it would have more. This creature would have more wisdom because of like the perception thing. Like it's well, the wisdom thing's always tricky because like wisdom covers more than just looking around. Yeah, being aware of your surroundings. Exactly. Well, uh, maybe plus zero is the right move then. So we have a challenge rating of five for eighteen hundred experience points. Once you kill the thing, uh, or I guess you don't really have to kill a monster to gain his experience, right? Like if you win the combat, like if. Or is that not how it works? I mean, in, that's in, a good question. I, I don't was, know. I've never really thought about it. Like, plus, I, I don't really do experience points. I do milestone leveling. Right. But if in D&D, if you, like, <laughs> kill five goblins and there were ten and five mm-hmm. of them ran away, how many goblins are left? Five. But, like, did you gain their experience when you won the combat? Or well, did I don't you know if rules... I don't run? know the rules as written on that scenario, but I think if I had to, like, make a decision on the fly, I would be like, well, you get the experience for the five, and I'll give you half experience for the five that ran away. That's yeah. what I would do on the I, fly. I forget what rules is written is, but I know that people give party experience, and then people give individual experience. If you get the KO, then mm. you get the points, and you'll yeah. get the levels. Yeah. Um, which is how it works in some like video game RPGs I play as well. Like if I have a party of four characters, the the characters getting the kills are the ones that are leveling up. So you have yeah. to like try and let someone else get a kill. Right, right. Uh, and that's part of the strategy. There's a lot of variations of how you can handle XP. That's for sure. Yes. Um, so for features, we have a standing leap. The belay's long jump is up to thirty feet, and its high jump this is, is up jump. to fifteen Holy feet, shit. with or without running start. So it just leaps into the air. Um, with its spring legs. Oh my god! Yeah, I had, I had. This was the feature I was like, oh, I need to use this so I can oh, show. Yeah, it, like, this is the jumping shark out this of is the, the shark leaping out. Yeah, of like water. when okay. sharks and whales breach. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay. Very I, cool. I was like, okay, I'm gonna use it. Very into it. Um, and uh, we've talked about the belay quite a bit. Was like, one day it'll get its own. Well, t- yeah. it's one day, hey, folks. It took seven years. We're w- here. Welcome to one day. <laughs> we made it. Uh, for its attacks, its actions, it has a bite, which is a melee weapon attack with plus seven to hit. A reach of five feet, one target. It's going to hit for 30 
4d12 plus four piercing damage. I'm yeah. gonna compare this to the giant crocodile. Uh, they could. My party could have fought this because I think they were like level five. Oh um, yeah, they could have definitely fought it. Yeah. yeah. Deadly leap. If the boule jumps at least 15 feet as part of its movement, it can then use this action to land on its feet in a space that contains one or more other creatures. Uh, each of those creatures must succeed on a DC 16 strength or dexterity saving throw, target's choice, or be knocked prone and take 14 or 3d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage plus 14 3d6 plus 4 slashing damage. I guess it's because it's like got sharp mm. sharpness all over mm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, on a successful save, the creature takes only half the damage, isn't knocked prone, and is pushed 5 feet out of the blaze space into an unoccupied space <coughs> of the creature's choice. You get hit by like a shockwave of it. If no unoccupied space is within range, the creature instead falls prone in the belay space. You know, with the lore of how this thing normally eats mm-hmm. with its mouth wide open, um, I I kind of feel like it would be cooler if it was a deck safe to not get uh, grappled. Oh, yeah, okay. Because now you're in this thing's mouth. Grappling is really cool indeed. Yeah. Um, but, then, but then that would open it up to the, you know... It's got you, and now it starts burrowing, and now you're deep underground. Like, maybe they didn't want it to be that deadly, although I do think that's super cool. <laughs> it is cool, and there's no reason you can't tack that on. Yeah. let's. Uh, that's it for the boule, but let's move on to the undead one. Um, <clears throat> so from what I'm reading here, what, the actions that this thing has are exactly the same. It's more the, the stats are a little bit different. Yeah, I think they changed the HP a little bit. Yeah. In fact, it says right here, oh, um, it nice. is uh, in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, like sort of uh text block for it yeah let me see immediately no check floor trap break away this creature is a belay with these changes uh it is so you really don't need the stat block it lists it here it is undead and has 125 hp uh it has vulnerability to radiant resistance to necrotic damage and immunity to poison damage and the poison condition it has uh nothing to attack if it has nothing to attack, the undead boule burrows back down into its earthen cavity. So that's pretty much on brand. Yeah, so you just kind of slap a, t- a template over the original boule with this. Barely. Yeah. I mean, like, is there nothing cool you can give it? Like, the circumstances <clears throat> of its undeath, like... Well, I think the vulnerability is a nice touch because you don't see it a lot in 5e. And mm-hmm. it's it's a cool to reward a character for specializing or having something in, its, in their arsenal, you know? Yeah. Um maybe i think adding like a a a disease or something to its bite yeah some sort of necrotic drain yeah something something like like that that. but but other than that i think i think the template stands well enough that's pretty much like yeah that's you can pretty much do this to whatever like it's not a whole completely different stat block it isn't like a i don't know what the circumstances exactly are of this undead boulet in here like this king reanimated it it's not like a lich or something like that where it like boosts its power it's a zombie boule that's what yeah, it is it's pretty a much. zombie boule yeah zombie um, boule and it was already dumb as fuck so like <laughs> it's, you can't honestly it's hard to tell the difference you can't make it more stupid it knows the languages <laughs> it knew in life which is no languages <laughs> all right anything else you want to add about it. the five i boule? can't believe i I fucking hunted this down so hardcore we did. just to have that. We made a purchase for this one. Yes, I'm ashamed <laughs> to have made it. Hey, but... man, we didn't know. We had to look at it. Yeah. Um, and now you guys know. Don't buy the under boule. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Pathfinder has a version of the boule. Oh, right. I didn't even pull that one up. Uh-oh. Uh, I am now. It's okay. It's, yeah, yeah. it's going to be hard to find. Um, I'm curious to see what level it is. So in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, monsters like have CR? levels. Oh, yeah. Okay. CR. Yeah. 
Which it generally, it's like it's the litmus test for how strong it is. Okay, I'm on um, d20pfsrd.com, and it well, that's kinda... that's the Pathfinder first edition. So you're gonna put it in Pathfinder two. Yeah, I forget. Yes, and that should be in the archives of Nethys, which is again a free resource website that has pretty much everything ah, yes. published for Pathfinder second edition that is free and legal to use. It is endorsed by uh, Paizo, so check it out. It's pretty cool. Thanks, Paizo. Uh, I have it. Cool. <laughs> okay. Tell me about uh, it. This is on the Bestiary, page 48. I love that they list that right there. Mm. God, Pathfinder does a lot of things right. Uh, perception is plus 16. It has dark vision. What level is it? Does uh, it say? In the top? It should say in the top. Uh, eight. Oh, okay. So eight. it's a level eight. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, plus 16 perception. It's got dark vision. And then scent, in parentheses, says imprecise of 30 feet. So I guess it could smell around. Mm-hmm. Uh, skills, acrobatics plus 16, athletics plus jump. 21. They can jump. Jump good. It do jump real good. Strength is plus 7, dex plus 2, con plus 6, intelligence minus 4, wisdom plus 2. There it is. I agree with that a little more. And then charisma minus 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so far I like this stat block better. AC <laughs> is 30, uh, fortitude plus Remember, 20. numbers are bigger in Pathfinder, yeah. and yeah, by level 8, yeah, ACs are getting, uh, like, really big. Yeah. Uh, ref, what is uh, reflex. reflex, plus yeah. 16, and then will is plus 14. Okay. HP is 120. Uh, speed, 40 feet burrow, and 30 feet, uh, no, 40 feet land speed and 30 feet of burrowing. They went the opposite way I would have yeah. gone. Powerful Which, jumper. I mean, it makes sense in a realistic sense. Like, you're burrowing through soil. That There's takes more longer. to do. There's more yeah. to do, yeah. Okay. Uh, melee, it's going to take one, or no, there's a tiny diamond and a big diamond. Is that two actions or one? Uh, you know what? Let me pull it up so I, I forgot can, yeah. already. Um, Out of practice. It might be a range. Uh, Blay PF2. I'm coming to the rescue, Brian. I think it's one action. Uh, We're looking at leaping charge? I'm looking at... Oh, yeah. That that is the action icon. That is just one action. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if because there were... It's... It's action. The big diamond is means it's action icon. The little diamond means how many it costs, right? Of your uh, three? No, because if you look down at leaping charge, that's what two actions. Oh, are. it's just a little. Okay, yeah. I got confused. Okay, yeah. jaws you'll, you'll is one that. action plus twenty one. Um, what is this plus sixteen slash plus eleven there next yeah, to it? Yeah, why is there a range? That's a good question. The damage is two d ten plus ten. Oh, piercing. that's the multiple penalty attack. So. Uh, oh, I see. On its yeah, second so, so, attack, yeah, so it'll, it's it'll be a plus five. 16 and then yes. a plus 11. Exactly. Okay, right. Um, we've covered, uh, if you skipped our Pathfinder episodes, we've covered this and mm-hmm. just don't play it as much. That, so but that's so handy that it's just right there for you, so it's you don't true. have to calculate it's each true. time. Yeah. And then its second attack, which is melee, is a claw. also takes one action at plus 21. On your second act- consecutive action, it'll be plus 17. And on third, it'll be plus 13. Uh, parentheses, agile. Damage is going to be 2d8 plus 10 slashing. Then we have Favored Prey. A boulet gains a plus one circumstance bonus to attack and damage rolls with its jaws against a specific type of creature designated as its favorite food. <laughs> Unless otherwise stated, a boulet's favored prey is halflings. Elves are uh, never a favored prey for boulets. It doesn't mention dwarves here. but you Yeah, know. it doesn't. It's like this boulet was particularly bred to love eating goblins. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love it. That's funny. Leaping charge is going to take two actions. The boulet attempts a high jump or a long jump. If it's adjacent to an enemy at the apex of its high jump or at the end of its long jump, it can make a claw strike against the enemy at that moment. 
If the boule jumps at least five feet vertically or at least 20 feet horizontally, it can attempt two claw strikes instead of one. The boule's multiple attack penalty doesn't increase until it has made all the claw strikes that are part of its leaping charge. So basically what would happen here is it does the leap. It -hmm. does the 20 feet. Mm -hmm. um, It gets to make two claw strikes. Neither of these suffer from the multiple attack penalty bonus. Right. But if it does use its third action to make a third attack, that one suffers from the minus 10 that it normally should because it's the third attack. It's just yes, exactly. Basically, this gives you a, a, a free attack without the multiple attack bonus. But that third one isn't isn't a negative five. It's a negative ten because it's a third attack. Yeah, the jaws are are going to be plus eleven for that, which would be a minus ten to its original. But the claw is at uh, a plus thirteen for its it, if you use it on third consecutive action, which is like uh, to a plus twenty one, so minus eight on that one for some reason. Mm, okay. Uh, and then powerful jumper, a belay jumps ten feet up on a successful high jump or 20 feet up on a critical success nice that's just something it does it does not cost actions just yeah that's part just part of its movement yes but well it has to attempt the high jump itself is is two actions yeah okay so. um but yeah what so what what are your thoughts there on the pathfinder second edition boulet uh I, there's some give and take uh, yeah i like i agree i like its normal stats better yeah so you, you like the statistics better mm-hmm. but what do you think about the actions I mean, it's definitely fucking scary to have it like this leaping charge is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like having these, like describing the boule is a lot of fun in game. Like, yes. It jumping like 20 feet into the air mm-hmm. and fucking around, you know, landing on people. Yeah. Clawing the <laughs> shit out of them, biting them. Like it's definitely scary. That I, I Yeah, I think it was too powerful to have it drag people down into the earth. By the way, look at this. Uh, if you look in the upper right corner, there's a little uh, illustration. If you click it, it'll give you the full image. Pathfinder Boulay looks fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's got a dinosaur face. <laughs> it is. It is a straight up kaiju monster. Yeah, it looks more like a dinosaur to me. Yeah, for sure. Oh, cool beans. Anything you want to add about the Boulay questions, comments, concerns? Uh, I don't necessarily think the Pathfinder Boulay art is better than the 5e art. No, I agree. I agree yeah, with that. I they're, think they're different. They're fairly similar. Yeah, they're similar, but they, they're different enough to be distinct. Yeah. One of them definitely looks like a Pathfinder monster. Yes, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> and one of them looks like a D&D monster. So I guess it's like, you know, in the universe, they're it both makes on sense brand. for both. Yeah, yeah they're both on brand. Uh, no, this is a very cool monster. I, lo- I love it a lot. It was, It's a fun, just like, you know, it's a meat stick. They throw it down and let it wreak some havoc on, on your squad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it, 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 I think uh, a boule is a straightforward, simple monster, but... It's a memorable one. Yes, not a final. It's a great mini boss. Yeah, this is a mini boss monster. Definitely, definitely. I wish it had some four E. Like, it's at half. Okay, so it's ninety four HP. Mm-hmm. So around forty HP or so. I wish it like kicked on some sort of desperation action. Yeah, I think That'd that be that cool. that mechanic in general needs to be better, more utilized in five uh, E. I was thinking about it because I I just played. D&D for the first time in a long time on Friday mm-hmm. and I and we're recording this on Sunday. So something I was thinking about while I was playing was implementing those kinds of things on bigger monsters, monsters of a certain CR or higher where right. it, it kicks on and with like lower CR monsters like orcs and goblins that negative penalties would be imposed at the like halfway HP mark or whatever oh. where these weaker monsters get even weaker yeah you know which that makes sense in a, in a realism sense for sure yeah i thought that would be cooler because i had i did have a mechanic where like okay um 
I have a party bolstering the front line of a war that's going on. They're moving up the back ranks to like go up and support the front lines, right? And then there are holes in the front line where enemies are making it through, and those enemies are damaged. Yeah. And so I was running orcs, and I they have like 15 HP or something like that. I took a D12 and rolled it, and I said, that's how much each orc is missing from its HP. Pool. Oh, nice. I to like that. Make yeah. it a little more real. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I went too hard with that one because I was rolling hot on my D12. <laughs> so like three so HP on these orcs. Yeah, there, yeah, they got murdered. They got For sure. No, but I think that that's cool, man. That's really creative. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out a new... Um, how to spice up combat how to make combat good for what i like to do i don't know it's not even what i like to do on radio play like when we make actual uh, actual plays it's like just how i wish combat always ran like Mm -hmm. can it be more fluid like can we make it easier on everyone's turn to do cool shit and not make it like you know can we get more out of combat than like sitting here for an hour killing some orcs right exactly make it a little more interesting um, i think i did okay on the fly with it because i was like let me try some shit and see what works Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like limiting the hp like circumstantially manipulating your enemies to be more accurate to what is happening in the story Mm -hmm. is a good decision i think yeah i agree agree. you know oh like i you know one shot this orc well yeah he looks fucked up like it's he was on his last leg. He, mm-hmm. he just made it through the front lines to try and, like, get back here. So right. he, it gave some flavor to, like... Like, he just killed five guys. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what would you have this boulet do halfway down to, like, make it a little crazier? Okay. I think, um, I think me, I'd add yeah. some movement speed That's that's it. That's a, a touch for sure. I'm trying to think. I like... Give it a second attack and it's action. Um, hmm, what would I do? I think I would maybe have it go like a like a frenzy where it starts literally making the earth unstable Ooh, that's in cool. the area. So yeah. it'll it'll like maybe like a zone attack where it, it submerges and it's just breaking down the earth. And next thing you know, everything is difficult terrain. And like maybe you have to make deck saves not to fall prone just just because anything could be suddenly a sinkhole. Mm, you know, cool. and then you know when you're prone, there there's advantage and all the other stuff. So. I think I would give this thing something that you gave me an idea, like mm-hmm. give it an AOE attack of, mm-hmm. of sorts where it can damage multiple people, mm-hmm. but it, it'll damage itself with this attack. Like, why mm-hmm. doesn't this mm-hmm. thing always do this if it's capable of it? Right, like, right. Well, it, exactly. it's going gonna, it's gonna, to like be a desperation, like a struggle move, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Break some shit up. A reckless, like, a reckless action. Yeah, yeah. Like it slams the earth so hard, it's like fucking tusk. Uh, its nail breaks, breaks or, something or something like that. I like yeah. that too. Yeah. No, that's that's a cool touch for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna start getting super creative in my combat. Let's go. I mean, I'm here for it. That sounds great, dude. Maybe I'll end up with my own custom <laughs> combat design. Which there we is go. Like kind of the way I'm going. Yeah, um, yeah. we're doing some custom uh, combat design for the Star Seekers book. So oh, neat. Yes, yeah, that's yes. a lot of fun. A little, little extra tactics. That yeah, check out on. Star Seekers Guide to Dragon Star. I believe the backer kit should be up and running by the time this episode airs it'll be up and running but i don't want to say too much because as of right now it isn't right we're, we're yeah. pending uh but keep an eye out for it in the future because yeah. that, that is in the works so if you missed um the kickstarter dragon star kickstarter you have a chance to get in on that and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. get yourself a copy yeah um and we got some some more art and some more stuff to share there's there's going to be three betas out by the time it's live. Um, yeah, so that, that we're, team's doing we're a lot of ahead. good work. Yeah. Um, and and I think we're scheduled, you know, just a quick update. Um, we're almost in the long rest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's take a long rest. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Long Rest. This is the part of the episode where we just burrow underground and get nice and cozy and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> now, we are. Uh, we, we want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you so much. We love you if you're listening to the show, especially to this point. Um, we really appreciate you. Uh, if you are not uh, a subscriber to our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash the dungeon cast where you can get episodes of this show early. You can get them uh, as early as I can get them to you uh, and ad free. Um, let's see. I have a thing to read. Will, do you have anything you want to say about that? Um, about what? About what? You know, say some longer shit right now, bro. I'm looking <laughs> at something. Um, for those of you who <laughs> may have noticed, we are. Closing in very close to 50,000 subscribers on oh, yeah, YouTube. We are. We're on the hunt. Let's get there, guys. If you are a fan of the show and not subscribed, what are you doing? Subscribe. Yeah. Help us out. Help us out. Um, That'd be awesome. And we're going to do something to help you guys out. Uh, we're going to celebrate when we get to 50K by giving away a copy of the upcoming game, Baldur's Gate 3, which is looking to be an amazing uh, CRPG. I'm very excited about it. Yes. Um, on whatever system it is that you uh, prefer, we shall get it. Um, in order to enter for the contest, all you have to do is be subscribed, uh, comment on one of the videos where we are advertising the Hunt for 50K, and like one of our videos. Um, yeah. Yeah, if, if, especially if you're a YouTube person. I, uh, I don't know how many of the YouTube people make it to this point, but if you do, thank you so much for being here. Um, you can't see us anymore. That's true. We'll announce it at the top of the next episode. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so if you, that's weird if you listen all the time and you aren't subscribed. So don't don't forget to smash that subscribe button and hit the like. Th those things really do help. Um, yep. And what really helps a lot is leaving uh, podcast reviews. So if you guys want to leave an uh, Apple podcast review, a Spotify review, uh, we like to read those. And uh, and or that's something new that we're doing. We're reading those. Um, yes. So I'm going to bring one of those up that we got from last week and read that um but i also want to say this uh this show is a big supporter of diversity saves which is a 501 c3 nonprofit organization created by a collection of bipoc and lgbtq plus members of the ttrpg community who are committed to the promotion and uplifting of marginalized communities in the tabletop role-playing game industry through promotions education and distribution of grants to help fund new projects led by marginalized creators so I would definitely go check that out, diversitysaves.org. Um, we are uh, close friends with a lot of people that are working on that, a lot of people that work on that, or a few people that work on that work on this show. Um, and so we're all we're all connected close. It would mean a lot if you guys went and supported that. Um, I've dropped, I think they were doing like a um, like five bucks uh, donation gets you like a just a ton of content of like games from these creators and stuff like that. Um, you you can go support them at any time at, at any level. I'm pretty sure it's uh it's appreciated. But yeah, definitely go do that. If you're not a part of our Discord, I would go in there. There's updates about diversity saves. There's updates about this show. You can talk to Will and I. We're pretty active in there. If you guys want some discourse with us, and um, ooh, do we have? Uh, I feel, oh yeah, let me go get that the review. review. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell people uh, where else they can find us? Well, like the uh, you can find us stuff. on Twitter. Um, we also have a website, just thedungeoncast.com, where it has links to basically everywhere we are, whether it's YouTube, the podcast feed, and the various projects that we're working on. Um, yeah, that's basically it. We don't have Facebook, man. I don't plan on having one anytime <laughs> I don't soon. plan on getting a Facebook. <laughs> um, okay. So... Uh, Here's here's one of the, the latest five-star reviews from Apple Podcasts. Uh, these guys make me a better player every week. 
Uh, every episode I listen to or watch just helps me figure out how to actually play as someone with low creativity mm. and ADHD. The way that they describe everything just hits home and allows me to be better all around player. Uh, that was straight out of Australia from Dr. Brown, 1994. Well, thanks, Dr. Brown, 1994. We yeah. appreciate you. Super appreciate Glad that we could be helpful in that way, man. Like, it's good to hear that. Uh, I love doing the show, and I know you love doing the show, too. Yeah. But it's really cool to hear, like, not only is the show enjoyable, but it, like, legitimately helps people play the game. And that's no, yeah, we, definitely that, the goal. That's the best one is uh, yeah. having people utilize the show for its educational purposes the way. It, it's uh, not all about dick jokes. We're trying no. To help you guys. I, I bring the dick jokes. Or I did. Will does them now, too. Um, if you're having a hard time hearing Will, it's because he's, like, so fucking far from his mic because he stands stand during up. the long I have back problems. <laughs> yeah. I gotta stand and we're up in between you. episodes. <laughs> so just a, just a publishing note there. Uh, I don't think we have much else to talk about. We're going to um, – we're not doing the patron episode next episode. We're doing it the one after. Does that sound yes, right? Yes, that is that is exactly what is happening. Okay, so um, we'll do patron shoutouts in two episodes from for, now. For the non-patrons out there, the patrons have voted uh, on us doing an episode on 5th edition D&D backgrounds. So that's going to be a really exciting one. Yeah, Probably a more conversational one, less like lecture structured. Which yeah, is good. we were debating on like how to address it. And I yeah. wonder if we should like include that in somehow. Like, hmm. well, like what if the patrons voted it? Like, what did they want out of that episode you know what i mean like what are they looking yeah for? i thought about that uh, it, the, the problem is the timing is a little tough yes that's true um so basically because of those sorts of things we have the topic we're just going to cover it as we think like yeah we're gonna hit as many facets of this as we can yeah. and like look into like okay are there debates about it are there like what do we like about the backgrounds as they were released versus like tasha's came out with like customizable backgrounds and like Maybe, like, you know, what are the more modern backgrounds they're coming out with in adventure modules that they like to sneak in, like this undead boulet? Like, <laughs> and then, like, what kind of backgrounds can we make as custom? And then, like, can we, like, you know, manipulate existing ones and make it better with the custom style? I think that's, like, sort of what to expect out of that. Yeah. But if you're in Patreon, let us know what you think of that. Um, Otherwise, yeah, keep leaving those reviews, everyone. Um, we really appreciate that. We'll keep reading them on the show. I'm going to have a couple more um, that I pull from further back um, so, uh, next episode. And then we might be reading some, like, YouTube comments and stuff in the future, too. Um, I'm going to tr go try to find, like, Podbean and Spotify reviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Don't be shy. Please give us a review. Um, positive ones are better, obviously. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I guess we'll catch you guys uh, next week. So let's call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.